The Philippine Embassy in the United States is working on alternative measures to expand the country's economic ties with the world's biggest economy. In this B-Side episode, Jose Manuel Babes de Romualdez, Philippine ambassador to the United States, explains to Business World reporter Keisha B. Taasan how crucial it is to renew the country's participation in the U.S. generalized system of preferences trading scheme. So for I I actually want to explore three topics with you today. First is um, Philippine-U.S. relations, investments in the economy, and third is on questions on South China Sea. Um, to start off, what is the progress on the possible free trade agreement with um, between the Philippines and the U.S.? Well, to be very honest about it, the free trade agreement is one of the biggest challenges. Uh, there are many many American companies actually who wanted this, and this is the thing that they told President Marcos when he met with them in, in New York last mm-hmm. September. So we we obviously agreed with it, and we wanted the same thing, but, you know, the problem is the FDA, of course, is, uh, is, is uh, going to be approved by the U.S. Congress, mm-hmm. and there seems to be very little appetite for any kind of uh, FDA at this time, and so even the executive branch of the world. The U.S. government is not very, uh, they're not very optimistic that it can be done. Uh, it may it may take some time. Now, the alternative to that actually is the Indo-Pacific economic framework that the White House and the State Department has, of which the, the, we signed up on in the Philippines. So they're using that as the vehicle. But of course, that's, that's a wider reach, meaning to say the ASEAN, the Indo-Pacific region is where they're going to have some form of agreements which take technically uh, replaces the TPP. So this is a U.S.-led, uh, like a free trade agreement, but with multilateral countries. Mm-hmm. So that's the that's where we are right now. So, But we're still hoping and uh, seeing how we can work out an FDA. But that's the long and short. But sir, what is the difference or what is the pros and cons between... Uh, Philippine-U.S. FTA versus an ASEAN-U.S. FTA. Clearly, what they want to do is to have a wider reach rather than broad. That is not... Uh, obviously, the Philippines wants to have a special arrangement like what they have, the FTA. They have an FTA with, uh, I think, with Vietnam. I'm not sure if they have one. Or they have one with uh, Singapore. They have one with Japan. So we're, we're pushing along those lines. Uh, we will continue to, to, to push that, but it will take a little more, uh, I would say, a lot, a lot more push on our part to be doing this, this FTAs. Uh, at the same time, it also gives us time to rev up our uh, economy in terms of especially the agriculture, because that's the other very sensitive portion, agriculture. They want us to import more agricultural products, but we are precisely now we're trying to develop our agriculture demand. So yeah, that's, that's our main problem. So on that regard, sir, how can we ensure that it will not negatively affect or a free a trade deal will not negatively affect our sectors like agriculture and even the small businesses or SMEs? And like I said, it's really a big challenge for both countries. The U.S. is not uh, keen on that because, you know, there's a push for, uh, I would say, for more uh, businesses to locate in the, in the United States and you know, each each state has their own uh, idea of what that having a free trade agreement may affect also. So they're also being protective in that. It's a very, very complicated situation that we, uh, the Philippines and other ASEAN countries have with the United States. 
United States uh, obviously wants to have a some kind of a wider agreement in the Indo-Pacific economic framework, but that's also very challenging for us and for them. But we have the RCEP. So personally, and I, that is what I've, I've, I've told our uh, economic team, is I think that we should try to work more on developing an FTA with other countries that will have an opportunity for us to increase our exports to these areas rather than really just look at the United States. While it is an important market for us, we don't want to look at it as complicated guys. There's a lot of politics involved in it also. What are the latest developments on the Philippines' renewal of U.S. GSP program? GSP. Well, I think that one has a better than even chance because it's really renewing it only. And we have other countries that are working with us because they, they too are looking for GSPs. And I think that uh, the U.S. is not uh, is open to that one. Uh, again, that requires obviously a congressional act. So we are working with the Congress. That's why this, uh, this uh, visits of our economic team and of course, hopefully a presidential visit will emphasize the importance of our economic ties with the United States. That would probably uh, put a little more emphasis on the GSP. But here in the embassy, that's what we're working on. We're working on the GSP as a priority and the FTA will be a continuing effort on our part to see how we can work on that. Are there any challenges, current challenges, um, that hinders us from renewing? It's basically the same uh, in a way to a certain extent because the GSP obviously opens doors for products that may be available here, which is why they want also to keep it up. Every country wants to have their cake and eat it too. But uh, the United States has too big a cake, so they have to they have to leave some of that cake for us if they want us to have good economic ties. Because the, the bottom line is that they're competing with a major country like China. And that's why it's very important for us to always manage our relationship with China. While we continue to try to explain to our friends in the North and China that our, whatever we're doing on the security side is purely a defense strategy on our part. It has nothing to do with us being aggressively, it's not an offensive type of thing. This is where the thin line that we have to work on because we want to really have, in fact, we want to have a bigger trading partnership with China because they are a big market and at the same time, their products are also acceptable to us. So it's really a very challenging uh, situation for us. So how can the Philippines expand the exports to the United States in other ways? Well, we just have to work hard on uh, on making our products, uh, number one, uh, competitive uh, in a way. I think we've been able to make a lot of inroads in, in some products. I just don't have the list of that. But I slowly, you know, at the end of the day, if we can have the right kind of product that Americans would love to have, in the, on the, if, it's, if it's like, for instance, uh, of course, uh, food, food items that are, are popular, it's a big market, 350 million people here. That's why and it's a free enterprise. So if you have something that's very uh, popular here, you can be sure. Just to give you an example, Ube, which is very available. In the, it's, now it's well known here in the United States. Ube is a favorite uh, ingredient or it is a favorite dessert. Or And every time they try it, they want to know where to buy it. We, we can produce a lot of Ube. So slowly but surely, we, we have to go into that type of situation where the Philippines is, is in a good place right now in the United States. 
but it's the products that we have to develop that is really something that you have to find that magic that the 330 or 340 million Americans are willing to want to buy all the time. So on the topic on investments, the Philippines has recently enacted several reforms to attract more foreign investments into the country. So how do U.S. business companies see the Philippines as an investment destination? The U.S. companies are now more than ever looking at the Philippines. We had a very successful Philippine economic briefing, as you know. And from the feedback I got from some of my friends who attended that, from the business community here, they said that we didn't realize how uh, the growth rate has continued to grow in spite of the fact that there was a pandemic. Most countries have a, a downturn, a trend. Though. So that's very uh, it's very significant, and they, they, they would like to see it. Of course... The fact that our economic managers are saying that we're going to make it more conducive for investments, the government is investing a lot in infrastructure, both digital and, and actual uh, infrastructure of um, the hard infrastructure, meaning uh, roads, bridges, whatever it is. All that will uh, translate into more interest. It's now up to us to be able to catch that. This is an opportunity that happens not too very often. And right now, we're right at that right sweet spot that it's an opportunity. And remember, these reforms that we've had, it's been going on for the past 10 to 15 years. That's why, in a way, this administration, President Marcos, is very lucky. And we're quite lucky that we have a very good economic team. We have a legislative branch that is fully supportive of the president's economic programs. So all the all the parang the stars are aligned for the Philippines. I don't know how you feel or the people. I know everyone who attended the Philippine economic briefing really they saw that as really a bright light for the Philippines. I think they're really interested, sir, based on the questions during the Q and A. But which areas do you think or which sectors do you think they are keen on investing? Well, there are many areas that investments. The, the big ticket items are, of course, in, in energy. Uh, that's something that hopefully we can we can touch many of that one for us to be able to supply the energy requirements of the world, the clean energy that is, and we have the the raw materials for it. And then, uh, of course, uh, semiconductors. We just said they. A meeting here at the embassy for the semiconductor industry. If we want to expand our uh, competitiveness in bringing in semiconductors, the ecosystem is what they keep on telling us. So those are the things that we have to start making sure that that whole system is, is really conducive for us to get many of the businesses that are moving out of China and spreading out into the Southeast Asian region. So, but how about, are there any concerns from the investors? What were the main concerns of the investors or what keeps them from really investing in the Philippines? The bright star is everything seems to be in place. Our relationship with the United States is one of its best in terms, obviously, because of the uh, uh, agreements that we've had on the defense side. You know, any American who feels that uh, their uh, investments are secure because... Obviously, they see their uh, their armed forces uh, as as a, as a key factor for security and the area. Uh, that one gives an indication of how businesses move around. So, to them, the fact that they're competing, there's a hard competition with China, where many of the businesses from the United States was on because their economy was a booming economy. Now, there's a shift because of the current situation, the political situation in China. So, they will look at places where it's they feel it's much safer. And the Philippines is one of them. Again, another opportunity for us because the, the publicity that that we've been getting here in the United States has been positive. 
in terms of our defense ties. All that, again, all ties into what we want, more economic activity. At the end of the day, that's the most important part of our relationship. Even China and the United States will not be able to live without each other because their economies are tied in together. So that one, will, I think, we have to look at it from a positive point of view, will ultimately be what will solve the conflict that they're having right now. That it will not lead to something that we don't want. They will find a way to be able to, because it's a more practical thing. That's what we're looking at and hoping for. But in the meantime, the Philippines, like other ASEAN neighbors, they have to look at ways to, to get that kind of competition that we should be able to take advantage of to a certain extent by offering alternatives for these two countries. So on that regard, how can the Philippines and the U.S. further expand their economic ties? Uh, as I said, the, the way to expand our economic ties is for us to be able to have uh, things like the FTA and the GSP. These are the things that they have to work on with us. We're prepared to open our economy, of which we are. And it's up to the U.S. companies. But, you know, it was explained by uh, uh, one of our friends in the U.S. Senate that the best way to go now is really to go by state. Uh, if you go by whole of government, it's a little more difficult so by pushing for FTAs. But if you have go by state, because each state would like to be able to obviously have more employment and their economy to, to move. So if we can work with certain uh, states here in the United States, big markets, and develop that one, we can have some, it's not we call an FTA, because, but I don't know if FTAs are allowed by a state to, to have, but we can have a, a certain type of agreement that can work to our advantage. So those are ways to be able to expand our economic ties. Last September, President Marcos was able to visit the United States. And how does that help in attracting more invest, investments in the Philippines? Any presence of a head of state will always have a almost a 100% effect. The CEOs of companies would want to especially with President Marcos, because he's a newly elected leader of the Asian region. So they don't really know him. You know, of course, they they read about him, but there's nothing having a personal relationship. From the way I saw it in New York, the, the way they, of course, the president's very articulate. It makes a big thing for them that, that the president understands what they want. And remember, President Marcos is is more business-oriented than political uh, orientation. You know, I know that he always wanted to be a businessman, but because he comes from a political family, he had no, not much choice. But he understands business, and he would like to see businesses expand. That's his number one program for the Philippines, is for us to be economically prosperous. As he said, it's a big challenge, but he wants that there will be not one single Filipino hungry. In other words, every Filipino will have a job and he will have a choice whether to leave the country or work in the Philippines. That is an aspiration, but it can be done if we really work on it. Well, what initiatives in the embassy, Philippine embassy here in the U.S. that has been successful in attracting investments? Well, definitely our economic uh, trade attaches. We, we have one in New York, we have one here in Washington, D.C., we have one, I think, in uh, the West Coast. All of that, all they do is just do, even I, uh, as the ambassador here in Washington, uh, I make an effort to always attend all of these economic forums or anything that has to do with the economy because that's what the president wants 
us to do. So our priority is that one. You know, diplomatic relationships with host countries is, is more or less uh, is mechanical in nature. We know what we need to do to be able to keep good relations with the country. But the econ- economic part is where the challenge is. And that's why I make a lot of effort in meeting businesses that want to open the Philippines. We find out what they want. We connect them to the right people. That's what we've been doing here all these years and more so even now with President Marcos mandating us to really look for ways and means to be able to attract more businesses. Well, sir, can you tease us? Are there any company-specific businesses, firms that are really interested in the Philippines or how many companies are interested? Well, how many? I cannot tell you offhand. I can tell you that there are a lot. You saw that in the PEP. That's only one of the many PEPs that we've done here. There's been a lot of interest in the past. You'd be surprised that even at the height of COVID, we were able to close a big investment about 11.5 to 12 billion of towers that was built in the Philippines. This is for our digital infrastructure. At the height of the pandemic, our meetings were done in, our forums were done on, uh, on Zoom, and we were able to attract a big investment company from the United States. So uh, what does that tell you? If we just work at it, it can be done in spite of the big challenge of not being able to meet personally. And they work. The BOI uh, and, and our team in Manila, we put them together and we had that big investment coming from the name of the company, KSA or SBA Communications. In what sectors are they are they targeting to open up businesses? Well, the digital sector, of course, okay. is number one. The technological sector, uh, the semiconductor is the other one that we're trying to work on. The health products, uh, we're happy to say that uh, Moderna, for instance, where we have to be deaf to them, they're going to put up. Uh, they start with the commercial office first, the Philippines. Uh, FedEx has moved uh, their facilities. They have a big facility now in uh, Clark. So, in other words. American companies are, some of them have left and now are coming back. It's now a question of, again, for the Philippines to really try to work at it. You cannot just simply uh, say, oh, they're committed and then you leave them to work. You have to keep asking them what is it that you need. And I give a lot of credit to our trade people, especially Yusek uh, uh, Perry Rodolfo. He's really uh, one of our best in terms of really, he works very hard in really following up businesses. So the IMF said that the global slow there is a looming global slowdown happening. Is there an impact or are there concerns of investors because of the looming global slowdown? The global slowdown is is is, is reality. But look at what the Philippines is. We're not slowing down. We're still uh, we're still at an upswing. That's why I'm saying I don't know. It's really our fault already if we cannot uh, catch many of these businesses. All right, sir. So. My questions would be on the South China Sea. So recently, China Chinese militia vessels are seen roaming around our islands. Knowing this, how else can the U.S. help the Philippines counter the growing number of Chinese forces in the disputed waters? That you're going to have to ask the military. But in general, I will tell you that uh, our defense posture in the in now uh, is much better than it ever was. Uh, obviously, because of our uh, defense strategy where we get our allies like the United States, but not only the U.S., we have Japan, Australia, and uh, hopefully other like-minded countries to make sure that the South China Sea or the West Philippine Sea is free of any kind of obstruction or impediment of them. That is where our issue is with China, of course. 
So if if the Chinese will see that if as as uh, one of our friends in the in the uh, armed forces said, "Kuwala lang yung ang Chinese vessels swarming around, wala tayong problem." The problem is that they're they're there, and then our fishermen, of course, are the ones. That we have to do something about it. They're the ones that suffer, number one. And eventually, we will if we just allow these things to continue. So we will we will have to have that. Uh, strategy of being able to strengthen our defense forces so that we can protect the people that we were sworn to protect. Are there new proposals to deepen the to deepen the defense cooperation with the Philippines? It's not a proposal; it's already ongoing. Okay. We are modernizing our armed forces. Our interoperability with the United States is continuing. The biggest balikatan uh, that took place was taking place. I think it's about to end yet. So it's, it's, it's an ongoing thing. And as I've said, I, I expect our armed forces to be ready in about, uh, optimistically, in three years, but maybe five years, I think we'll be, we'll be in, 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 in I, I would call in that level that uh, we can say that we have a credible defense posture. I think I heard this a few months ago, but the Philippines is going to, is considering collaboration with Japan and Australia on joint and maritime patrols. How far are we along with that plan? Uh, well, that one is uh, is exploratory in nature, but I'm sure that because it's already uh, known by the public, uh, obviously there's something going on there. So I, I can't really comment too much, except that I'm optimistic that there will come some kind of form of an agreement because we 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 we're thinking the same way that we want to make sure that that area remains free. We don't want anyone to really be in control and then only put the, and, 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 and respect the sovereignty of each nation. That's the bottom line. So what do you think now about the balance of the con- of, between the country and China? Well, it's a, it's, it's a little bit uh, challenging, but I'm sure that China wants to have a good relation with us. It's just a question of finding the right uh, mix. So as I said, I think we've said it so many times, the president has said it so many times, our armed forces have also said that we are not directing any of these things that we're doing with the United States against them. The United States has a, they are in a competition with China. Uh, that's the word, competition. We don't want to say they're in conflict. And they have to resolve their issues. Tayo, we're working on the, the assumption that our mutual defense treaty, which has been there since 1951, our VFA, which has been there since 1992 or 93 or 94, and then our uh, our EDCA, which has been there since 2016, we're just simply implementing all of these things. So don't tell me that we knew that we were going to be having a problem with China that, that long ago, since 1951. So it's not that these things, we're just putting together what has already been in place for, for a very long time. I guess to wrap up all these things, do you have any final thoughts, um, any conclusions? The only conclusion I have, as I told you, is that the bright star of the Philippines is shining so bright that I'm already blind because it looks really good for, for, the, for the Philippines. The future looks good and uh, many of you that are uh, a long way to go in life have an opportunity that I don't think we've had uh, in the past how many decades now. It really is on, on, on its way up. And those that are thinking of setting up businesses in the Philippines, I mean, the, uh, the Filipinos who are setting up businesses, this is the right time for doing it. 
because I'm, I'm very, very optimistic that uh, that's the place to go. The Philippine ambassador to the United States says that U.S. companies are more interested in investing in the Philippines, especially after its economic team visited Washington, D.C. and presented the country's stronger-than-expected economic growth. This has been another episode of B-Side. Follow Business World's podcast and enjoy a new episode every week.